This is episode three of the Wavy Podcast, where we talk about all things flowing in music and lifestyle. Today, I'm here with Riley Patrick. How's it going today? It's going great, Gemma. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be my here. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, so today, we're going to talk about concerts. So we're going to talk about good concerts, some of the best concerts we've been to, and maybe some of the more disappointing ones. Riley, what do you think makes a concert good? I think it's all about connecting with your fans. And uh, even if you're playing a stadium with thousands of people, um, providing a sense of intimacy for the people who actually go and, and listen to your music. I don't always think that that means you have to have some sort of crazy theatrics. Just connect with your fans and, and be able to play your, your tunes the right way. Yeah, I think that's a really important element and it sort of makes fans feel like they're relating to their favorite artists or having some sort of like genuine connection. For me, I also think performance is really important. Like you gotta move around the stage, good lighting. I don't know, how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Things like lighting and, and uh, performance are definitely key. Mm -hmm. Stage presence, obviously a big one. I think another one that's not touched on a lot is venue. I think that certain venues cater to certain types of artists in different mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely sound can make or break a show, but I also think it's just about the vibes. Again, touching on that intimacy, like I said before, if you're sort of an acoustic style performer and you're playing the Air Canada Centre, sometimes it can feel a little bit out of whack. Definitely. Trying to connect with someone up in the 300 level. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Yeah. Are you So are you someone who prefers like smaller scale shows or stadium performances, or does it kind of depend on the artist? It definitely depends on the artist. I also definitely prefer smaller shows, okay. but I, um, I'm, I'm not afraid to go stand on this, the floor of a stadium and, and watch my favorite band for $200 if that's what it takes sometimes. <laughs> yeah, know? totally. What do you think makes a concert not so good? Definitely the people attending it are a big part of it, at totally. least for me. Totally. I'm someone who super gets caught up in vibes and the energy that's surrounding me and, and things like that. So uh, especially when we're talking about those stadium shows and stuff and you're sitting and you're in a seat or whatever, you're, uh, you really got to hope that you have a good partner beside you. Yeah. Right? Or yeah. else uh, that could make or break the show for you, <laughs> for you again, you know? Yeah. If you have a shitty person beside you or whatever, that can result in not so nice of an experience for you at that concert. Totally. Speaking of like stadium shows and sitting in your seats though, I find that I hate when people stand up when you're sitting in the seats. Like, and you know what? This probably doesn't go for all people. And you know what? For short folks like me, I'm five one and a half for reference. I'm sitting in, I'm, I'm stoked to be at some stadium shows. I'm like, sweet, sure. I can sit and watch this whole performance. And then it's like, the show starts and everyone's standing. And I'm like, I can't see. Like I paid so much money for this ticket and I can't see. And you know what? That's annoying. Like I was at Tool and two people were in front of me. I was blocked and sure. I had to keep moving my head and me and Jared, my partner, we just kept switching spots so that we could take turns viewing because he couldn't see either. <laughs> sure, no, I get that. Um, that's definitely something that, uh, that happens a lot. A little bit on sort of a backwards end of that is, uh, I totally get where you're coming from, but I'm one of those people who proceeds to stand at a, at a stadium show, you know what I mean? I saw Guns N' Roses one time at the Air Canada Centre, and I stood up, Welcome to the Jungle, one of the band's biggest songs, was sitting for the whole rest of their entire set, stood up, was sitting up for about 
20 seconds maybe and the guy behind me literally put his hand on top of my head and like pushed me down back oh my to my God. seat okay, and he's like don't stand up and I was like you know what I get it I'm in the 300s so maybe I, I shouldn't be doing it it is a rock concert everyone's standing um I think it makes a little bit more sense to stand when you're down on the floor or oh, the 100s absolutely. or whatever but when you're at the back like that um as much as you might want to stand for your favorite band for sure it uh sometimes it it blocks other people's views and uh give someone else a, a less than great time, you know? Yeah, and like, you make a good point. If you're on the floor, yeah, you should be standing. If you're on the floor and it's seated, expect people to stand. But I just feel like it's an etiquette thing. Like when you're at a stadium, and, and here's the thing, like a lot of the people st attending stadium shows, they're not big concert goers. Sometimes they're just going to see that one particular artist and they sure. don't understand that like, yeah, people stand. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's just a personal pet peeve of mine. Now, when you're at a club show, do you, have the same sort of issues because it's all standing at that point like it's general admission or are you just a little bit more intertwined with what's going on because it's a club show and there's no seats at all now you're just like this is the way it is like i'm good with it kind of deal or yeah you know what i'm just kind of past the point of getting pissed off like it just kind of is what it is like this is my height i'm at a ga people. show should i expect anything different no and you know what it pisses me off when i'm at a ga show and people are like Ugh, like this guy is so tall in front of me well sorry hun you bought a ticket to a ga show this is what you should expect you shouldn't really complain unless you want to line up so many hours before and get right at the front but in that case you're probably going to complain about people pushing you like that's just sort of concert etiquette it, it's not always the most fun but what can you it do is, it is what it is right it is what it is exactly so, yeah. um but I'd like to move this conversation to, you know, talking specifically about best and worst concerts we've been to. Um, so for me, one of my favorites was probably Radiohead two summers ago-ish. Yeah. I don't know if you were at the same show as me, though. They did two nights. I believe yeah. I was at the first night. Second night, sorry. Okay, yeah. I think I was at the... Yeah, I was at the second night, too. Um... That was just such a good show for me, and maybe I'm Amazing. biased just because I love Radiohead, but I mean, actually, no, I hear from most people that that's the best concert they've been to ever, but like, for me, like, the lighting was just insane. Like, I remember during Dreaming, it was like, the whole arena, it looked like there was like a disco ball. Absolutely, But it was, yeah. it was literally just like, normal stage lights, and something was like, pointing at it, so that it was like, making a reflection, and, I, and it was just like... I don't know, like a spinning disco ball all over the whole arena, but not made from that. And it, it just, the, like the, the spots were bigger and it was just like so dreamy and great. And um, the audio was amazing. It, they, they really took their time. Um, Tom York, the singer, didn't really like perhaps engage with the fans so much, but that's not really in, what- In perfect Radiohead-esque, right? Yeah, So whatever. Like, I don't really care, but the point is like, this was like a three hour show or something mm -hmm. like that. He played- all the best songs um i like they did two encores which like i don't really love encores but anywho whatever it was just like an epic performance for me yeah no and i totally agree with you too especially on the audio it was so huge for them especially uh after the the horrible stage collapse years ago and for them to come back so long after the fact do the two shows a lot of people thought that maybe they would never even come to toronto again so uh for me to at least attend that show that was huge that was great yeah totally um What's like one of the best concerts you've been to? Um, pretty recently, actually, I saw Tool at the Scotiabank Arena on their there. on their Fear and Knock tour. Yeah, you were there, there as well. They uh, 
so obviously their first album in, in 13 years, huge. They've, uh, they've done a, a couple of tours and stuff of uh, playing the ACC and Hamilton and little spots in between 10,000 Days and Fear Inoculum, but I'd never been able to catch them. And uh, they've always been one of my favorite bands like since I was in high school, basically. So when I found out that the album was happening for the first time in 13 years, I was stoked. Yeah. Found out there was a tour. Um, as we were talking about earlier, went on, bought my floor seats in a stadium, which were, uh, were quite expensive, but it was well worth the money and is absolutely phenomenal. Their, uh, their theatrics and their, the visuals that they have when they're playing are, are insane. Not to mention, obviously, they're impeccable musicians on stage. Yeah. But uh, their set is really all around these, these visuals that they have on this big screen, and they had a crazy light curtain going over the whole thing, too. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's really pretty wild, and it's not something you can see even on the internet because they don't let anyone film at their shows, right? You're not, mm -hmm. you're not allowed to have your phone out or anything like that. So typically for me, at least, when I'm seeing a band, even if I really like them, I'll go on YouTube and, you know, I'll watch a full set or I'll watch a couple songs and I'll, I'll see how they're rolling for that tour and, you know, give myself an idea of what I'm in for. But Tool, it's like I'd waited my whole life for a, a concert. I almost had no idea what I was walking into. Yeah. But it was incredible. Yeah. No, I kind of went in the same way. Like, I didn't know what to expect. I just heard they kind of played like a weird and like epic kind of show. I really liked how he was like standing in the back and he would just like mm -hmm. sort of transition from corner to corner. That's really different. Same, yeah. I've never seen that before. And like he was like dancing and doing all that, whatever. But I, you bring up the curtain point and I actually forgot about that. I did not like the curtain. Really? I thought it was a cool concept, but like- For the, the first like, it was like six to 10 songs, right? That they had it at the beginning and then they, they moved yeah, it out. Yeah, it was something like that. But then they ended up, they brought it back too. But like, sure. I didn't like it because I was like, I really can't see now because I had right. those two chicks in front of me, <laughs> okay, and then I was, fair, fair. and then and then like when it first started, I was like, I, I don't know where this guy is. I can't see him on the stage. Yeah, and like I'm enjoying this music, but like, why this curtain? <laughs> and like it was a cool concept, and I guess maybe if I was on the floor, I would have appreciated it. But just from like where I was sitting, and like the fact that we paid good money. Um, oh, interesting story. Actually, we were supposed to sit in the 300s, which is like nosebleeds for people who don't. No, um, and we were going to sit in our seats, and then this guy was like, like gonna escort us to our seats, and then he was like, he was like, where are your seats? And we're like, the three hundreds. We told him our section, and then he was like, you're not sitting there, and we're like, what? And then he like just gave us um, two tickets in the one hundreds. That's, like, that's insane. What? That's insane. For tool. And yeah. It, but like we had pay, already paid like around a hundred bucks like for our seats in the three hundreds, so it was just cool to feel like. We got our, we definitely got our money's worth. There. Absolutely, but wow. yeah, yeah, that's something that can make a concert like really good for me. Anyway, um, moving on to a not so good show. So I saw Waves at the Rec Room maybe a couple months ago. Which, Surf Punk. Yeah, and I'd never been to that venue before. So basically, for context, the Rec Room is sort of like a Dave and Buster's in uh, sort of franchise. I think there's an there. No, is, They're in more places than just Toronto, but... Is there a, a back room to that? Or like, yeah. so I've been to the rec room. Where would a show take place there? Yeah, it's in like the back. There's, I don't know, you walk in and then you gotta like go to the back. I don't know, we had someone escort us because I okay, was like sure. super confused too. We were like walking around, couldn't find it. And then we had to like ask someone. Interesting. Yeah, which is like, I didn't like that actually, venue issue. But... Anyway, um, Waves, one of my favorite like surf punk bands. I've seen them like three or four times previously. Always was great. But 
I hadn't seen them in like a couple years or something like that. And I was stoked. And then we get there and I'm like, um, I was like, cool, this is happening, whatever. But anyway, so he starts playing. I noticed he's like drinking a lot. Like, like and, on stage? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah, the, like all the band was. They all had sure, like, sure. like 26ers and whatnot. But like, um, then he started talking and I was like, oh, this guy's like wasted. Jeez. And he was just like rambling and the, he just kept like rambling and rambling, but like to the point where like it just wasn't entertaining and like he wasn't making sense. And then he started talking about himself being wasted and he was like, you guys don't care, right? Like like to the audience. He's like, like this is okay that like I'm like this drunk, right? Like, and then- <laughs> You're like, not really. <laughs> like, well, like it just kind of got sad. Like I was just like, I kind of like, this is just kind of like sad alcoholic vibes, you know? Like, okay, yeah, and I was so... like, clearly like you're showing me that like you're insecure about it because like you're asking us to so I'm like the fact that like you can't like keep it together like it's just like I just found it super unprofessional and I'm like I know this is like a surf punk band and like I've seen you like three or four times and you've definitely been drunk those times but not to the point where it's like you're just rambling like incoherently slurring your words like not making sense and then on top of that he like didn't remember the songs like he'd be like okay we're gonna play this but like hold on hold on and like you would see him like trying to learn from his band members. Like they would be like teaching him the riff. And then like, I remember him being like, I don't even know like what I'm doing here, but like, we're just gonna do it. And like, it was just so cringe and terrible. And like, I honestly probably won't buy another ticket. Yeah, you know what, that's sad. And you use the word unprofessional. I think it really also, and I'm sure you can relate, makes the attendee or concert goer uncomfortable. Yeah. Unprofessional and it makes you uncomfortable in a sense. Like, I, I don't wanna watch a show where, you know, someone's that messed up that they, they can't play their notes and, and, and sing their songs. That's why I'm here to see you. Absolutely. And then like, it made it even worse because he was asking, he asked audience members about, I think at least two times to buy him a drink. He was like, oh, can someone bring me like a beer? Can someone bring me like some whiskey? And like fans were doing it because they just like want to get noticed. Fans, and he's yeah. like, oh, like, thanks buddy. And he would just like totally just chug it back. And like, at the, like he's like, it got to the point where he's like falling over and I was just like this sucks and like I think we ended up leaving early because we were just like this is so stupid. Is this a recent but, concert? Yeah this was like a couple months ago it was their last time being in Toronto wow. but like yeah they didn't have any new releases I think I, I don't know what it was but it was stupid. Interesting. Do you think you'd give them another chance? Or? Like probably not no. no like I just like don't trust it at this point and like to me it's like cl clearly you're not passionate about what you're doing like you're just clearly up there for the paycheck you're taking advantage of your fans making them buy you alcohol when you don't even need it i don't know it, it, yeah it i don't know that's that's greasy for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah so another one i went to really really recently and uh this honestly kind of almost hurts me to even talk about but um for for a while now i've been a huge fk twigs fan i uh, i really really, really liked her first record. It's something that meant a lot to me and something that I've carried with me for the last few years listening to it. So when she released Magdalene, her new record, I was I was over the moon excited for it. Listen to it, to its critical acclaim, like everyone loves it. I think, I think it's great. I you don't love it. I still like the first LP better, okay. but I think maybe just at the time of my life, I had a bit of a more of a connection with that first record than I do with Magdalene now. And uh, yeah, so that first record, I've just, embodied it in my life so much. I was so excited. Magdalene came out, was listening to it, loving it, enjoying it, bought tickets for the show at Rebel. And that's gotta be by far the most disappointing concert I think I've <laughs> ever attended. And again, you know, don't, uh, don't mean to put it all on FKA Twigs. It's not all her fault. A lot of it was the crowd and, and everything, but I'll, I'll break it down for you for a bit here. Um, 
FK Twigs is a pop singer. She's got one of the most beautiful falsetto voices of anyone who sings pop today, hands down. And I'd be happy to argue that with anyone. And what she was known for, for touring, her first LP, was her vocals, her strong suit. Her, her lack of stage presence, she would stand there, you know, typically in, in a few different spots and just belt her songs. And that's what it was, mesmerize people with their vocals. Okay. She'd do a little bit of dancing here and there and a little bit of theatrics, but the whole main thing was how the music's sounding and coming yeah. out and yeah. her voice yeah. and perfecting it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd, I'd watched tons of videos, but I'd never seen her. So I was super excited for the Magdalene tour. I get to Rebel and I'm with my friend. And uh, I said to him, I said, I've got a really weird feeling that she's going to use a backing track. And he said, like, no, man, there's no way. She's, she's FKA Twigs. You know what I mean? Like, she's up there at the top of the food chain. It's, uh, it, it's not Britney Spears, basically. <laughs> and I said, I don't know, man. I just feel like that's what people are doing nowadays when you've got these difficult vocals to sing, these hard blasting beats that you can dance around to and whatever. You, you've got to pick one. You're going to sing or you're going to dance. You, you can't do both without a backing track. You've got to have the backing track to cover the gaps, right? So, so to clarify for people who don't know what backing tracks are, is that, is that, and even myself I'm clarifying, is that just sort of like your track playing in the background and you're either lip syncing it or singing over it? That's a, yeah, that's exactly essentially what it is. So, so did you think she was going to lip sync or she was going to like sing over it? Either way, I was unhappy with it. Obviously, the, the lip singing one would be the worst possible scenario. Like if she's singing over it, whatever, I get it. You got to do your dancing. It, I'm, yeah. I'm still not cool with it, but it's cool at the same time. You know yeah. what I mean? It is what yeah. it is. Okay. Um, and that's what 95% of rappers do. You know what I mean? They got the whole rap track playing in the background and they, yep. they say four words, take a breath, say another <laughs> four words, right? Yeah. So that's what a lot of she was doing. So the first song, she's singing. I'm thinking it's great. I'm trying to figure out if it's a backing track or if it's her or what exactly is going on. And then all of a sudden she takes the mic down from her mouth and the note's still going and she's doing a spin around the stage. And the note that she was singing and the mic's still going. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, she's not, not actually, right? Like, maybe. So she wasn't singing the note? No. Oh, geez. And then okay. at, but at some part she clearly was, you know? But yeah. at other parts, she clearly wasn't. Um, and a whole lot of dancing, there's a whole lot of random stuff that went on during that set, which again, I can appreciate. Like, I know that she's got a, like a history with, with pole dancing and that's something that she's passionate about. So she wanted to incorporate that into her set. So she incorporated it into her set with one of the songs from the first LP, but didn't sing a single word from the song. Just let the instrumental play and then pole dance. Like, that's awesome, cool, that's like your thing. And I get it, it's one song, but. I came here to, to see you sing because I love your voice so much and all you've done is pole danced and not even lip synced on par. Yeah. So oh, geez. it was really hard for me. And on, on top of that, the real killer was was the crowd for me, as if it's not one thing on top of the other here. But, um, but I was trying to salvage pretty much anything I can from that show because she was an artist that's so important to me. And I could not deal with the crowd. Exactly what you were talking about, about standing up and people at shows being, this guy's way taller in front of me, blah, 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 blah. I had a girl beside me literally basically yelling in the guy's ear in front of her that she can't see anything. And he basically turns around and he's like, I'm 6'6". Six, six. Like, what do you want me to do? I'm trying to watch the show too. Like, should <laughs> yeah. I just go watch at the back to make you happy? And they're like bickering back at each other. And this is all in the middle of a song. Oh my God. And I'm like, you guys are destroying this whole show. Anything that was left for it is between you guys bickering is gone now. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then you know she'll have really intimate moments and it's just her singing falsetto, acapella, and then there'll be some dude at the back of the room going, you're hot. Really? And it's just like, oh man, like I'd like to sock you in the teeth, man. Like absolutely no respect for the performer. That's crazy. And it just completely takes away from my show. Like when someone yells something like that, I don't think they realize that they ruined everyone else's moment in the entire room. Yeah, totally. And like that's her moment. Like she's up on stage and you have to be, uh, you have to be that conceited in yourself that you want to take away her, her moment. Thing. Yeah, that's like awful. I hate that. Yeah, that's the worst. So that honestly probably takes a cake as as up there with one of the most disappointing shows for me. And again, not not all her fault. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's what I mean. There's there's many obviously many factors that go into a a crappy show. Yeah, I feel bad. You like actually like I can tell you're genuinely like sad about it. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> and I, I, I really, and really I remember. Was. Yeah, you are. And like I remember we were talking about the show before you were going, and I was like, because the album just dropped, and I was like oh my God, I need to get tickets. Like, I'm probably going to go too. And then like I didn't, and I was so sad I didn't go. And then you were just like, you know what? You're you're lucky you didn't go. Like, it just wasn't good. And I was like, what? But it totally makes sense. Um, moving on to something more positive. Um, so <laughs> a good show for me was Kurt Vile at Way Home. Oh, I love Kurt Vile. Yeah. So awesome. Great dude. Great performer. Anyway, so at the time, I was really only familiar with, like, the single um, Waking on a Pretty Days. Yeah. So, anyway, so I went, not really knowing many of his songs, and it was just, like, it was, like, about, like, 3, 4 o'clock, and you know when you're at a festival and it reaches that time of the day and you're just, like, feeling kind of groggy and tired from running around all day, being mm. in the sun, you know, this was, like, the perfect midday set. It was just chill vibes, not too big of a crowd, but not too small. Mm -hmm. Um... And yeah, all of his music is just super chill. It was just great. They were hitting every note. And I remember uh, during the last few songs, there was, these, there was these dudes in front of me. And um, there was a guy in front of them. And this guy had a backpack on. And he had like a pocket. He had like a side pocket. And um, these two guys behind him were just like, they kept putting something in the pocket. Like they, they would take turns like, taking like a piece of grass or like a rock or like oh a piece of paper and they, they were just, just like, stuffing it with stuff. <laughs> yeah. They were, <laughs> they were just like like I was just the whole crowd was just like dancing, like chill vibes, and then the, these two jokers in front of me were just like seeing how many things they could like pile on in this dude's pocket, which I guess <laughs> And he had no idea. Yeah, that the stuff's getting piled in his I think project. at the end, he, like, found out. Figured he, like, out, he, just, yeah. he, like, kind of turned around. He was like, what? Like, and he, like, laughed about it. But that's what made it good. But, sure, like, sure, it was yeah. just It was just so funny because then, like, everyone around me sort of caught on to what was happening. And they were just, like, like when they would make it, people would just be like, oh, yes. Like, <laughs> but uh, on top of that, it was just, like, a great performance. And, like, it made me a big fan of him. And, you know, it's just awesome when like the crowd is great and fun and like the performer can do so well. So <laughs> absolutely no, that's awesome. That's a hilarious story. Yeah, it's something I'll. I probably wish I remember. had something like that. That's yeah, awesome. I'm definitely gonna remember that forever. Um, but yeah, love to hear another one. Yeah, no, you know what? Another one, big one for me is actually me and Jared, my guitar player. I'm trying to figure out the exact year this was. This was a few years back now. Um, but we were really into Death From Above for a while towards the end of high school, and, and we were going to all their shows. We probably saw three or four together at least. And uh, I'm from a town called Whitby, Ontario, which is about 40 minutes away, I would say, from Peterborough, 45 minutes. Peterborough is another small 
suburban town sort of deal. It's close to Toronto. <laughs> yeah, and uh, very close to Toronto. And uh, Death From Above, we're playing this show at Peterborough. They're sort of doing a Southern Ontario run, playing a bunch of shows in smaller towns and, and cities, which is pretty cool. Uh, so we decided, you know what, it's not that far of a drive. Why don't we go down? So we got a set of tickets, and they were set to play a, a pretty large venue. Not large, but I want to say about at least 1,200 people. And uh, there was a huge snowstorm on the day that we're trying to get down there. And we see a tweet as we're headed down to the venue, and it says that the show from its... I can't remember what the original venue was called. The show at the original venue has been canceled, but Death From Above is moving it to the Red Dog Tavern, which is a tavern that's been around in Peterborough for, I think, over 100 years. Don't quote me on that, but it's really old. And uh, it's tiny. Well, it's maybe 200 people. And they basically said in this tweet that... Uh, that this venue is going to reach capacity very, very, very quickly. Anyone with tickets to the other previous venue, they're valid at this venue. So get here soon. Once they hit 200, you're pretty much SOL. So 700 people were just not going to be able to see the show, basically, right? It was that, that they moved it to the Red Dog, or they didn't play at all. That so, doesn't make sense, though, because why wouldn't they just cut people off at the other venue? The other venue's power was out. Oh, right. Sorry. So they were unable to play. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. But um, so they had to move it to the other venue, and it's either that or DFA just didn't play. Were they offering refunds? I'm not sure about the whole logistics behind it with Ticketmaster. Okay. I'm sure you could have took it up with whatever website you purchased yeah, a ticket yeah, yeah. from or whatever. Okay. But we were already on our way to Peterborough, and we were basically like, well, we better get down there because it'll suck if we made this drive and, and we can't go or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So we go to this venue and we get in no problem. And we're actually probably one of the first 50 people inside. And we're like, cool. We watch a few bands open up. Mets also opened up. And Mets is still playing and there's still not a lot of people in there. And it's it's feeling weird vibes, man. It's feeling like there's 70 people in the whole venue. Like it's a, a Riley Patrick show and we're about to see our favorite band. You know what I mean? With 70 other people. And we're like, we can't believe it. So sure enough... Death From Above come on at the time that they're supposed to come on. And by the time they come on, there's 250 people behind us. And we are all slammed shoulder to shoulder. And uh, for anyone who might be listening to this who's ever been to a Riley Patrick show, I am not joking when I say this was twice as hot as the Diesel Room. <sighs> like, oh, my God. It is by far the hottest show I've ever been in, followed up by the Diesel Room show. But it was warm, and it was the middle of winter, man. And it's crazy. Peterborough's... Uh, not, not to say anything negative about the city, but uh, for lack of a better term, it's very, very colorful. There's a lot of colorful different types of characters who like to come out to these okay. shows. So it makes for a really interesting party with 200 people in Death From Above and Peter yeah, yeah. for sure. But that, that's one of my favorites because that's a, that's a band that you know we, we always saw on huge stages and stuff. Mm -hmm. And now they're playing an, an inch above us, like literally an inch wild. above us, right? Yeah. So uh, that was a show that I know meant a lot to us and we didn't stop talking about for a really long time. Were they like happy to be playing? Were they like engaging with the crowd? Yeah, definitely engaged with the crowd, definitely happy to be playing. Um, but I think maybe almost obviously a little visibly like disgruntled about the whole setup. Yeah. Like they're a band that almost always has a barricade, maybe yeah. not in the olden days, but now they do. Yeah. No barricade. So I'm on stage beside, you know, Jesse and Seb and whatever. 
doing flips into the crowd and you that's know so maybe cool. maybe that's not their forte it's very very cool for me but yeah you could tell maybe they were like they were just trying to live in the moment and it's not something that they do every night so you could tell that they were trying to embrace it for the hour and a half they had to play right yeah no that's sick i love death death from above they always put on a fantastic absolutely show. about like six times or so yeah crazy yeah like me that. too i'm up there i don't there. even know don't but, worry yeah um Moving on to a not-so-good show for me. Um, it breaks my heart to say this, but Fall Out Boy at the really? Air Canada Center, which is now the Scotiabank Arena. But um, for anyone who knows me, you know I'm, well, I was a huge, well, I am, in my heart, I'm a huge Fall Out Boy fan. That was, like, my favorite band growing up. Like, I was a diehard fan. It's kind of embarrassing. But um, it was my 19th birthday. And Fall Boy was playing, and I was like, "No way, that's crazy! I'm so excited!" Like, yeah, they did this. 19. They did this for me. For sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, anyway, so we go to the arena. Um, super stoked. Get my beer because I'm 19, and uh, go sit in my seat. And then I notice all the 300s are blocked off, like, like they were all covered, and. And then I went online and like saw that they were offering people like upgrades, so they like, it just didn't sell because uh, they're not an arena band. Like right. Fall Out Boy is not an arena band, I, and like that's not an insult. It's just the truth. Like that's just not their fan base. They don't have that huge of a fan base. They could probably pick, sure they're not like, a, they're not a club band either, but they're not a stadium band. Like, exactly, exactly what you're saying. They're a happy medium. Like they know. could. I know they've played Echo Beach. I went to that show. Great band um, for them. And it was it was fantastic. It was awesome. It was a party. It was fun. Anyway. So there was just sort of this like weird, like sad vibe in the room because like they're playing a half empty stadium. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. And like I don't know if you've been to a show like that before. Oh, but, tons, man. Yeah, yeah and it's yeah. just like you kind of look up and you see the three hundred clothes and you're like, oh. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so then like something else I also noticed was they had like a runway stage, and I'm like, that's weird. I don't know. I just I'm like I hope they can pull that off. I was hopeful, but they were just sort of awkward about it. They would just kind of like run up, the like one of the band members would kind of just run up and like do a little like dance or like touch a couple of hands and then they would just like run back. Like it was like, it was just weird. And like, I, I just, it, I feel like they were just sort of pushed into doing this. Like maybe it was just some, like a, a tour deal or something, right, right. you know, like, and maybe they shouldn't have taken it. But I mean, they played well. Like it was, the music was great. It was it was fun for me. Obviously, it was my birthday, but I don't know. It, it, it was, like, a bit disappointing. But at the same time, like, it's Fall Out Boy, so I just feel bad to, like, trash them. That's really interesting. <laughs> Without getting too off topic, can I ask you what you think about that show that's supposed to come here this summer with Fall Out Boy, Weezer, and Green Day? Those, that's a, they're playing the Rogers Center. It's the biggest stadium they can get in Toronto, you know what I mean? I'm just curious yeah. your opinion after what you just said. Um... I feel like I feel like it's gonna be a good show. I don't know. Sure. Like for like, you know what? I feel like if it was like just Fall Out Boy or just Green Day or just Weezer, like maybe it wouldn't sell so well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the fact that it's like three of those older kind of like punky bands coming Definitely. together, it kind of attracts the old like pop punk crowd. Like, oh, absolutely. Like you and I, people yeah, are just yeah, like, yeah. oh, sweet, like three bands in one for like not a bad price. I'll be there. Yeah, people are just people. 10, 15 years older than us who still grew up with it, you know what I mean? Exactly. They'll be there too. Absolutely. I think it's a great sell just because like it's a good party. Um, but I know that the tickets are not selling well. And the reason Really? I, yeah, and the reason huh. I know this is because the pit tickets were like a thousand dollars. A thousand or two thousand dollars, something crazy like that. Like they were only available 
in a VIP package, as well as the ones that are like close to the pit. Oh boy. So, um, like, if you go on StubHub, those tickets are only worth like, I think like two or 300 right now, um, or at least the last time I checked, which means that scalpers bought these tickets and thought that they were gonna be able to sell them for a lot of money, but realized that they can't. When- It's a when huge this, problem right now too. Like, especially, I, you know, I don't know how many people have this issue in other places in the world, but it seems like Canada, at least specifically with the way we do our tickets, that's a big issue with scalping. Totally. Um, but you know, there are ways around it and it's just like, maybe you can't get a ticket, but just wait until closer to the show and you can get a cheap ticket from the scalper. Mm -hmm. But the point is that this is going really bad because a lot of scalpers won't change their price. They won't drop their prices until right before the show. Mm -hmm. I'm talking like a day before or hours before, mm -hmm. which, um, you know, they've already dropped it and the show isn't happening until August, it's January. So imagine how much cheaper it's gonna be come right. August. So like, I mean, because I, I want to be really close because I'm like a huge, huge Fall Boy fan and I don't want to sit far. I'm probably just going to wait until um, closer to the show and get a pit ticket, hoping, okay. hoping that it stays that way. Who knows? Maybe the demand will change, but I just know it's not selling very well. Because I think the Rogers Center is too big, but I think they should have done. The Rogers Center is massive. Yeah, and like, massive. I, know, I know there's a lot of pop, pop punk fans out there, but like, I just think that's too big for those bands, I think they should have done maybe booked one night at the Scotiabank Arena. I bet that would have sold out. If it sold out, added a second night. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know, yeah, there's, seems like this whole idea of them bounding together to be some sort of super force. <laughs> here. <laughs> there seems like this whole idea of them sort of banding together to be some sort of super force and almost uh, as Fall Out Boy's album from a few years ago says like save <laughs> rock and roll in a way but I honestly don't know if they're the three bands to do it yeah and like you, you can tell it's all it's just some big commercial deal because you know I loved how coincidentally around the time that this tour dropped they all just had brand new singles right but no album and no offense but the singles are not good. Yeah. Or at least not to my liking. No offense to anyone who does like them. Like, you know, by all means, you do you, but... Well, maybe uh, Weezer will play Africa and we'll all be happy. <laughs> you know I'll what? I'll get my $8 ticket on the day of. You know what? We'll, uh, <laughs> I'll see you there. <laughs> I, bet, I bet you can get an $8 ticket. I bet you can. Well, um, we, we just might have to look into it. <laughs> speaking of ticket prices, I'm going to take a little break here from sure. talking about best and worst concerts. Um, there's always a sort of conversation going on around like mm. well at least with parents i find it's like spending money on concerts is it a waste of money because you know we see ticket prices going up getting higher and higher and it's you know concerts are becoming more un unaffordable i mean like maybe we're biased because we are concert goers but like do you think realistically spending a lot of money on concerts is bad no and why do you think that no i don't think it's well i mean i <sighs> It would depend what your definition of bad is. Yeah. Sure, it's not financially good for me to ever spend money on anything that's not my health or my home, I would say. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? But yeah. People have hobbies and, and people do things to, uh, to enjoy themselves. Um, so no, I don't think it's bad. This is also talking to a guy who just spent 550 US dollars on a Bonnaroo ticket today. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm feeling 
pretty good about myself today. Canadian. Canadian. Canadian, yeah. sorry. Yes. Um, so I, I think, I don't know if it's bad per se, but I think uh, like anything in life as you learn, as you grow up, you just need to be able to plan out your, your finances properly. You need to yeah. make sure that you're not wasting your money on concerts. Mm -hmm. Well, here's what I think. I think we all spend recreationally and I think everyone kind of budgets for that, right? But I think you just, like for me personally, I'm not someone who spends a lot of money on going to the bar every weekend. Sure. And some people do that. And that's some people's form of recreation. I like if, I think if you just, you know, spend your money on a concert once a month, once every couple months, then who cares? But you know what? If you're going broke because you're, you know, buying like four big tickets within like a couple months, then yeah, I don't think it's right. I think that's a bit overboard. Um, I remember my sister was saying recently, she was like, I'm going to stop buying concert tickets to people that I've already seen, which wow. is actually smart. But at the same time, like that's, that's, that's really interesting to hear because I almost do the opposite. I, uh, I spent a lot of my money that I spent on concerts is on bands I've seen before because I know what I'm going to get. Yeah. And then when I go out on a limb with something like FK Twigs, which by normal standards, I'll say wasn't a cheap concert. No, it was not. And then, <laughs> the, you know, the result is what it, it was. I feel a little bit better spending that same amount of money on a band I've seen four times knowing what I'm getting. Yeah. But I totally get it. It goes both ways, right? Yeah. For me, um, I kind of agree. Like, if it's a Radiohead, I'm 100% going. Like, if they come back to Toronto, 100% going back. Right. Tame Impala, I'm committed. Yeah. I'm a com committed fangirl. Um, I've seen him, like, twice in the past year. And I'm going to see him again in August just because it's, like, such an amazing, amazing, mm -hmm. amazing show. So, um, you know, in, in a sense, that's good if you're spending your money on that. But, you know, I think to um, Alex G, who I've seen him now two or three times, and he's put on the exact same show every time. So that's it. Like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Unless I see some videos of him, you know, Doing actually interacting stuff. with fans and, like, looking stoked to be there. Sure. Which, you know, I love Alex G and his music, but, like, sorry you're he's he's kind of a lame performer i'll say it <laughs> i i think that just at the end of the day as long as you are financially stable it's not really for anybody to judge whether it's good or bad if you're buying that concert or not like, yeah sure all my friends probably think it's an awful idea that i spent that money to go to bonnaroo but for me i'm excited for you know like the greatest five days in tennessee was three of my favorite bands yeah, and like you, you make a trip out of that, right? And like there's gonna be memories, memories you're gonna remember forever. And I think we all have different ways of creating lifelong fun memories with our friends. Sure. Right? So and then you know, yeah. someone else I went to high school's idea of that five hundred bucks might be like, why wouldn't you put that towards your mortgage? And it's <laughs> like, just no. You know what I mean? So people people spend just their no. money on what they want, and that's why we all have jobs and we we all work to uh, to get money to spend it on things we want. So totally. I think it's uh, it's pretty subjective, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, so let's move back into the conversation about best and worst concerts. Um, we'll talk about it just for a little bit longer. So probably what, uh, tied with Tame Impala, I'd say, which is interesting because these two shows are very different. Mm -hmm. um, last year, I saw The Antlers at the Opera House. Are you familiar mm, with that? I know The Antlers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was the 10-year anniversary of Hospice. Are you mm -hmm. familiar with that album? I, not like entirely, but I'm, I'm aware of the record you're talking yeah, about for sure. Yeah, that's pretty much like what a lot of people know them from. But anywho, it was a 10-year anniversary. They're going to play this record from start to finish. Nice. Um, 
it was a seated show at the Opera House, which I'm sure you've been. They don't have seats. I've never but, seen that. Yeah, so they brought like fold-out chairs. Yeah. So, which I kind of like because I'm like, you know, by doing that, you're losing half of your ticket sales because you're cutting your capacity in half, probably about approximately. Um, so that to me, that shows you're passionate about performing and giving a a vibe that you want. Right? Yeah, totally. Like we were talking um, about yeah. Yeah. So this was amazing. They changed some renditions of the songs. He explained how, well, I interviewed him prior to the show and he explained how like he was kind of disappointed with the quality of the record and like how there were certain things he would change. So you got to sort of see those changes live. Nice. Um, and it was just like, no one talked at all. Uh, it was like, this, this record is like very emotional. Basically he is talking about his relationship dying, but he talks about it through, um, as if he was a caregiver and the person he was dating had cancer and but he's telling that's it, that's deep yeah, yeah that's a lot yeah, of depth yeah for sure it was very emotional all the sounds were just so so beautiful i've never seen anything like it before like there was no backtracks at all right right and like some of the drumming is like so precise like it, i don't know it was amazing but i just remember the end of the show it was quiet lights go on you just hear people sniffling and I just see just, this like just in tears, yeah. yeah. But I just see this, including myself. Sure. But I just see this big dude get up and walk out of his seat, like big, big guy, and he he's wiping his tears, and his other big dude friend behind him is doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, whoa! Like I've never Amazing. seen that before. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Some masculine yeah. men getting in their feels. Yeah, for sure. that's what I'm saying. Sure. And like when an artist can just do that, and like. At, at the end of the show, he was like so gracious and so thankful for everyone being there, and it was just beautiful. And yeah, I've just been waiting like so, so many years to see this. So, yeah, so awesome. Would love to hear That's about wicked. another good concert from you. Another good concert for me. You know what? Probably just my best concert experience ever. Um, Tame Impala. The first time I ever saw them. By far, they're one of my favorite bands. I see them pretty much every time they come. Where was this? Uh, the first time I saw them was Massey Hall. So when I do go to Bonnaroo, Massey Hall. Yeah, when I do go to Bonnaroo, it'll be my fourth or fifth time seeing them, I believe. So I've seen them a bunch. First time I ever saw them was Massey Hall, and it was before Currents was even released. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh my god. Um, so they had two singles out. I want to say they were they were one hundred percent. It was Let It Happen, and the other one I believe was Eventually. And uh, I've been going through a really really bad breakup. Um, it was my final year of high school, and I decided we were going to go to this show. Me and my friend Sean went, and they opened with Let It Happen. No way. Yeah, and I had, I just, I'd never, I think I maybe heard it once or twice, but I never, like, dissected the song, and I was having a really, really, really hard time over this breakup, and I remember standing there and watching Let It Happen, and these are before, like, they still had some good theatrics and stuff, but this is before they were the stadium band that they are now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're playing Massey Hall. It's a, it's a big theater-like venue, but it's, it's not a massive stadium, so their light show's not as insane, for lack of a better word. But mm -hmm. they're still a light show. And uh, I just remember watching Kevin Parker sing, and the lyrics he sang in Let It Happen just spoke to me or related to my situation I was in so much at the time. And... I'm sure you're familiar with the Let It Happen big drop. Yeah. All the confetti, boom. When Just when that happened, it felt like, literally as cheesy as it sounds without being able to describe it any better way, it felt like my life had changed forever at that like wow. exact drop. Like a massive weight had just been thrown across the earth off my shoulders. Like, So 
Yeah, that was that was definitely the most incredible show I think I've ever seen by far, and it's what really got me into Tame Impala. I don't think I'll be able to miss a Tame Impala show on their tour. Like, I'm missing the Toronto one, but I'm going to see them in Tennessee. Like, I don't think I'll ever be able to miss a tour. So that's that's a show that really solidified, like, a band's worth in my heart, mm-hmm. I would suppose. Mm-hmm. And I'm imagining that's why you got your tattoo. That is absolutely <laughs> correct. I do have Let It Happen tattooed on my arm. And I did the rule of thumb, which someone told me when I was very young, that's if you want a tattoo, wait a year. If you still want the exact same thing and don't want to change it at all, get it. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what I did. I waited a year, and then I got to see the month after I got the tattoo. And yeah, it's been bliss ever since. They're my favorite band, and they're, uh, they're one of my biggest inspirations for my own music, even though wow. it's so different. If you, uh, if you listen closely, you can definitely tell there's a little bit of uh, Tame Impala snippets that I throw in there for sure. So. Yeah, one of my favorite concert, concert experiences would be Tame Impala this past summer, both at the Budweiser <sighs> stage and at Oceaga. Incredible. Um, it was so great and like euphoric and fun and it, same thing, you know, drop and let it happen, confetti comes. And I remember Jared, my boyfriend, he was like, I think I know why Riley got that tattoo. <laughs> when that happened, it was <laughs> That's amazing. I did not know that. I was that. like, I think I get it now too. That's hilarious. Um, it was we so all get fun. It. We just danced the whole night. Sure. Um, you know, points of emotion, points of just pure bliss and fun. It was it was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, speaking about your music, I remember your concert at the Diesel Room this past summer, and it was it was so fun. Oh my gosh! Like I, it was like so, it was like your first show, and it was just like so much better than I thought it would be. Not that I thought it was gonna be bad. No, was, no, like, no. You know, band's first show, a little, a little rusty. Definitely, um, yeah, yeah. And it was great. Everyone was into it. Everyone was dancing. It was a bit too hot in there. <laughs> it was wild. Yeah. Whatever. It was wild. People were moshing, and yeah. But I'd like to hear how you felt about that. No, cool, man. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, no, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Um, obviously, this music and stuff that we're doing now, it's something that I've kind of had a vision for for a long time. So uh, when we played that first show, is you know Jared, David, Max, everyone in my band, they were we all kind of envisioned what we were, how it was gonna be when we went out there. So we wanted to uh, pretty much nail it on the head and put on the best show we could, and uh, it was a blast. So thank you guys for coming. Thanks oh, to absolutely. everyone who's listening to this who came. It was. Uh, one of the most incredible experiences of our lives, seeing you all jam so hard. So mm-hmm, thank you. Thanks for bearing the heat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like a little worried about myself. I was like, I hope I don't pass out. I hope I don't pass out. And uh, I didn't. But. Yeah. No, I'll be honest. I, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure I said it on stage a couple times, almost like, like ironically as like a joke, but like I almost puked a couple times Yeah. just because my adrenaline levels up here. I'm stoked. I'm ready to go and play my tunes. I'm jumping around. I've also been drinking. <laughs> and it's just so hot. Yeah. So like I literally thought my like I'd have to like miss a line of a lyric or something and be like deep breath, I'm not gonna puke. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It was so hot. And for yeah. those of you listening, I'm gonna guess it was like forty eight degrees in there at least. Yeah, it was so bad. So So what's next for your band? Um so right now, actually, um the last record we did, uh I did it myself and my drummer David Burke, he played drums on it. Max, our bass player, he produced it. This time we're doing something totally different. We're working on a new record, but we've got uh, sort of my whole band contributing into it. So me, Jared, Max, David, we're all working on a brand new record. It's all demoed out. Um, so we're just trying to hit the studio here in the, the next couple months, and uh, we're shooting for a spring release. So uh, it's, it's really exciting, too. I think these songs are, uh, are definitely some of our best. Maybe a little bit different vibes from the disaster plan, but uh, I think that 
everyone's gonna like this stuff a lot more and I think it's gonna be really great for us. What kind of vibes? A little bit, huh? A little, a little bit proggier. Proggier, there's definitely some distor a little bit more distorted guitars in there. And uh, my goal for the album was sort of to follow one suit. Like if you listen to Disaster Plan, it's kind of all over the place. I'm kind of searching for my sound and stuff. And when I was doing this one, I was thinking to myself, like, I really got to find a sound for myself and, and stick to it. And that'll be the band's sound. And I decided I was going to kind of, kind of throw that out the window. I, uh, I like so many different types of music and I want to make so many different types of music. So I figured that's kind of what Riley Patrick and the Roundabouts is going to be. It's going to be all sorts of different stuff. So there's hopefully going to be something on the record for everyone at least, which is a, a positive way I like to look at it. Um, maybe nothing for anybody, but I think that <laughs> this is the way I want to do it and that's best and therapeutic for me. It's to make what I want to make and uh, to not sort of put any limitations on that. So the record's going to be slow, it's going to be moshable, it's going to be danceable, it's going to be cryable, it's going to be kind of a big slam of everything, but maybe curated a little bit better this time around. Cool, cool. Well, Riley, thank you so much for being on the Wavy Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I've had an absolute blast. Yeah, please come back. Um, and to everyone listening, thank you so much. We'll see you next Tuesday. Cheers.